everyone, what is good? Welcome to another episode of the Third Intermission Podcast. This is your boy Dave signing on this evening. Uh, you can follow us on the socials at Toronto Third, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Although Elon Musk probably might break that blood clot thing down, but we'll see. Um, I got my um, I got my executives with me tonight this evening. And the only reason why I'm saying executives is because it's a special night, and I'm going to be a little more respectful with these two. Um, of course, we got. The baddest woman in the game right now. We got Marsha in the building. Marsha, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. Um, super excited to be here. Got a great thing going for everyone. So excited to get going. Of course. And then you have the hand of the king himself, Mr. Avery. Avery Wagwan, looking good in the fedora and everything. You know, hey, gotta stay fresh at all times, 24-7. You know how it be. Of course, man. Yo, the hand of the king always looks designer and that's how it goes that's how it goes all right so this evening uh we have a little surprise for y'all so um in keeping up with keeping this podcast black black and blackity black as much as possible um we have ourselves black hockey royalty and i'm very honored to be in the presence of this fellow king here um coming to us all the way from ohio he's a yad man himself he comes from the ends um he is officially the only black hockey head coach as a black male hockey head coach as of right now uh obviously we are going to have more down the road and uh this would be definite this be a definitive catalyst for much much more uh we have the handsome the strong the powerful head coach of the cincinnati cyclones in the east coast hockey league mr jason payne mr jason payne how you doing Great, great. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Just a quick correction. There is another coach of color uh, in our league. Uh, he was announced this year, uh, Joel Martin. So he's in Kalamazoo. So now there's two of us. See, we're coming. We're taking over. Yep, we, definitely coming. Take, we definitely take it over. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you this question real quick. But before, well, actually, before I even do that, um, here's how we normally do things here at the Third Edition Podcast when it comes to interviews. Uh, we're obviously going to ask you some questions. Some of them are going to be serious. Some of them are going to be out of pocket. And then we're going to do a little bit of speed round just to, uh, you know, just get to know you a little bit better. So uh, you ready to have some fun? Always ready. Always ready. All right. So uh, first things first, I'm actually going to let Marsha take this uh, take this one and ask ask our first question here. Marsha, take it away. Okay. Not hockey related at all. Okay. But as someone from Toronto, Yes. What was your least favorite TTC route? Oh, Lord. That's a good one. <laughs> a good I one. took some heavy routes. Wow. I used to live down in St. Clair and Bathurst, and then I moved up to North York. So I still went to school there. So I would get up in the morning and get on the Finch bus all the way to Finch Station, then take the train all the way to St. Clair and Young, then take the streetcar across to St. Clair West to then go to my school there. And do the same route coming back. Jeez. One day I one day I was so tired I got streetcar to St. Clair and Young, hopped on the train, the front of the train, because I always like to look out the window. And I think by the time I hit Eglinton, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I was at St. Clair again. <laughs> I went all the way up to Finch and all the way back. And I was like, and I woke up and I was on the other side. And I was like, just woke up utter confusion. Uh -huh. So but uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I rode the TTC, man. When I played hockey, that was like my dressing room, too, because again, my, my mother didn't drive. You know, my dad drove the odd time, but a lot of times my mother and I would take the TTC to games yeah. and practices. And a lot of times, you know, the TTC, never on time. So I had to exactly. start getting dressed on the bus. That's but crazy. to your wow. question, the Leslie bus, which I, which I used to ride, was in my eyes the worst, because that thing used to take two hours to come it was ridiculous atrocious yes i hear i hear the horror stories it's either a half hour it doesn't show up if it does yes. it's three hours later yes of course I, I i know your struggles like it was always either the 100 for me or because like i used to live down mills and eglinton area so no. trying to get the 100 from from broadview when it's not already packed with people looking to fight somebody oh, yeah. Is already oh, yeah. a problem in itself First and then answer. on top of that like um the 46 the 46 martin grove to steals mm -hmm. that 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 bus is a bit of a problem at times that's what because 
because it's like it'll never show up on time and then when it's there like the bus is already super packed to the point where like you can't even get on so i'm like okay you know what let me take the 45 home so at least that way the bus is more frequent it's at least like at least runs till like one two in the morning and then oh, yeah. i don't have I don't have to worry about like not being able to get home. Like, I mean, I could walk through a school and I'll be okay. But like, if I go home on like Martin Grove, like some some random dude, some random dude from from like God knows where, up up yeah. up from like Woodbine Woodbine Racetrack, will literally cause yeah. me problems. So like, yeah. I don't like taking that bus as much as I used to. Thank God I live in Kitchener though. <laughs> but, <laughs> all right, uh, Avery, you're up next. Coach, I, I got to ask you. Um, more related to hockey now, but what to you is more important to get right before a game? The pregame outfit or a good pregame meal? What's more important to you, the suit or the pregame meal? Well, that's a good question, but, you know, I always, lo- I always love a food, but I like to make sure I can't really eat too much before a game because my mind is just focused on what I got to do. So one thing I always got to make sure, and my, and my parents always made sure is that you got to look proper. You got to look straight. Mm-hmm. So the outfit has to be on point because you never know who's watching and you're always representing. So you always got to look clean, man. Can't come here looking like raga raga. <laughs> yo, that is true. And yo, when you guys, as a, as a pro coach, doesn't matter if it's the NHL, the ECHL, the AHL. That's one thing I've learned among the coaches who are black who coach in hockey, be it yourself, be it the Joel Ward, be it Paul Gerard. Every single black coach in hockey has been on point with the suit game, no matter what level it's been. Got to be clean, man. You got to be clean. Can't look like you just bought your your, your suit from from Sears or, or from Nicey's behind the rack. <laughs> So, you know, hey, to be genuinely, to be genuinely fair, like there's some good pieces out there at Sears. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. There's some clean pieces. Yeah, yeah. Just how you match it up. Of course. All right. Speaking of your suit game, um, what's your favorite color to wear when you're when you're behind the bench, and what's your least favorite color to wear? Like, is there like say, is there like a lucky connotation to it, or is it just more like you know, like honestly, what feels good to me? Will, will look good will make me look good not only on the ice but also off the ice in case say I'm trying to get a little extra attention well I have some good you know I, I, one of my favorite suit combinations are my blue suit combinations you know, I have a couple uh some nice uh, checker pattern ones uh I, I usually go sometimes with the gray some of the grays with, and mix them with a, a bunch of different dress shirts and then your tie game has to be strong because it has to match up nicely you know you have to look clean with that and then with a, with a clean shoe package you got to make sure it all it all goes together even though at halftime you won't even see the shoe, but uh, but my usually my go-to colors are like a, I guess is what goes with me more. I guess is, is the blue. That's one of my my lucky ones. And then when my offsets are the uh, my my grays, and then at the odd time I'll throw a nice little uh, my brown my brown combination with some some light hints of uh, blue pinstripes in it. So uh, just mix it up, just keep the flavor, keep it nice. Sounds like you take fashion tips from Avery. <laughs> You're a very, very dapper man right there. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true. Cause like honestly, meeting this man for the first time, it's like, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna pick on you, Avery, as much as I can right All now. right, go ahead, Dave. So when we first met at um at TIFF back in September, here I am trying to find this man. Like, meanwhile, I'm six foot tall and I'm fat, right? So I'll be honest, I was a fat black dude. I still am a fat black dude. But when I tried finding this man, like obviously. Like you're like looking, expecting someone to see like someone at least at least at least five eleven. I had to look down just to find this man, and this man's like standing right in front of me. I'm like, "Yo, dog, like you're a lot smaller than I thought you would be in real life." <laughs> <laughs> but like, this man made up for it in like like the cream suit and, and, and everything. And I'm just like, here I am in a pair of J's, a black shirt, and some jeans. And I'm like, I'm really underdressed when I'm around this man. Like, yo, this is like this man's suit game is like second to none. I'm not That's even it. kidding. Like, yo, like this does make him stand tall. Of course it does. And it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like if you don't have something, right? There's always something that's accentuating either, sorry, either strengthening the flaws or making the flaws look like they don't exist. You know? Well, and you know what has- it is? I, I learned a long time ago. It's like a fine steak, right? Steaks are good. You know they're good. They're nice, cooked nice. You know all the juices, all the flavors. Now, if I go outside to the backyard and I take the garbage lid off the garbage and I put the steak on there and put the garnishes on it and bring it to you, is that gonna look appetizing? Or should I go inside and get a nice plate with night with a nice de- decorations on the plate and then bring it to you with silverware, which looks better? It's how you dress. It's how you dress it up. It's an outside presentation, right? 
The inside could be nice as nothing, but if it's not appealing to the eye, you're not going to get through that first layer. That's the problem. That's proper. Speaking of which, how do you take your steak? Medium well. Okay. All right. So Michael. you and Avery have definitely have something on Conrad. Right? Yeah. I'm a medium dude, to be honest with you. Like, I mean. I am like, too at times. I am too at times, depending on the steak. Yeah. Depending on the steak. Because some people don't know how to make a medium well steak. I like medium well, but more to the mediumish side. Because I'm not trying to eat a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I have been cooking since I've been 15. Honestly, I know exactly how you feel. And like medium well is like the toughest thing on your teeth. So it's like, yeah. yo, a swift medium, a swift medium will definitely get you through the day. Like, oh, yeah, I, for sure. I can't, I can't mess with someone who likes it medium rare, man. Like, yo, that's just... It's just not cooked enough. Thing, for me. No, no, the thing's still moving on the plate. You can't have that. Trust That's me. exactly what I was thinking. My Trust God, me. You can carry it into this. <laughs> you, might well, you might as well milk the steak if you want to. Right? Yo, it's like it's like you can hear Alberta just on your plate right then and there. Yeah, right away. <laughs> you smell, you really smell the grass. Yeah, you're like, no, uh, all right. Uh, I noticed our boy Jason came through tonight. Jason, is that you? Yeah, man. That's me, brother. All right. We got our resident black man over here. Um, he's a resident black man. <laughs> nice to meet you, Coach Pay. Nice to meet you, brother. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. It's funny that's uh, my, my mother. I just hear my mother saying that. Jason. Like, oh. <laughs> 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 All right, yo, Jason. What you got lined up for him today? What you, what you want to ask? I want to ask him if he's gonna have some cells for the Christmas time. Oh, you're you're, you're killing it right now. So <laughs> that's I leave that to my parents, man. They can have the cells, not me. Uh, <laughs> no cells for me. <laughs> Yo. I remember watching my my parents eat that stuff. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? It's not even, it's not even cooked. You guys eat that. There's all kind of, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, that's that's memories. I I would watch my parents all the time. I'm like, oh yeah. How they give me a little <laughs> bowl and I'm here like eating the gravy. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, now that you're coaching in the states, um, uh, I want to get a little serious for a minute. Uh, when, well, describe describe that day uh, when you officially found out that you would be you would be becoming the head coach of a hockey franchise. Like, take us through what your thought process was, and say what are the I guess underlying um the underlying issues that come with it you know for this organization here in cincinnati they're 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 unbelievable they're great um they're very they're very open-minded to a lot to like our, our general manager is a female um our old radio guy was it was a person of color black guy uh, everett fits you and he's now with yeah. the seattle kraken um <clears throat> so ever and i worked side to side for a while and when i got this job as a, as the assistant coach here with uh, Matt Thomas, he was uh, he was a coach here. Him and I were old teammates uh, playing hockey growing up together, and we've always been connected, always in through hockey as it went on. And he and him to his coaching, and me into my coaching as well. And you know, him calling me the one day and at, and saying, "Hey, well, would you be interested in coming down to Cincinnati to, to coach?" And I was like, uh, "Wow, uh, yeah," because after playing 14 years pro, you know, it's just it's I always wanted to get back here and 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 be on this side and coach over here as well too. So. It's, it's always hard getting in the door. And when you get in the door, uh, you honestly, and you, you got to work. It's just, but it's not work if you love what you do. Right. And uh, for myself, it's just, it's, it's not something you just like, it's gotta be a lifestyle. Right. And it's become that lifestyle for me. And I've been able to, if you want to say, establish good relationships around the city and, and within the organization, just through my work ethic and my personality, who I am by itself. And when uh, when Matt was promoted uh, to this is the coach in Providence with the Boston Bruins organization, uh, our our ownership group and, and our GM knew right away that I was the right fit. Uh, and just from my all my experience of of playing and developing players and and relationships. And it's funny when we had a conversation. You know, I was I was excited and it's funny because at that time I was getting a lot of uh, I guess you want to say interest from a lot of other teams as well too. Um, but the, I knew this was home for me. And, and when it felt came into place as it did, uh, like I, it just felt it was right. It was just right. And it's funny. I told my GM, I said, be prepared for what's about to come. Because when this happened, I was the only black head coach in, in I guess, in North America and almost everywhere, I guess. And the media is going to be 
swarming this place. And I, and I kind of gave her the heads up on that. And mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was a media, media blitz, a media circus the first, uh, oh boy, most of that year anyways, like every place I went, town I went, there was somebody wanted to interview, uh, they wanted to talk, somebody wanted to do another podcast, somebody do an interview and another, you know, just one thing after another. And so the days just got so long because in between all that, I started to coach team. So, you know, to, to juggle all those, all the, the media requests and stuff. And I made sure I was able to get to every one of them. So to, to do all that and coach a team and do what I had to do is, it was a lot. It was definitely a lot, but it brought, you know, listen, good press. Any press is good press in a way, if you want to say that, as long as you take care of yourself and you handle yourself the correct way, and it's, it's not going to be anything negative. And as it being raised, you know, from a West Indian family, that's what I've been learning to do. You just, you got to carry yourself the right way. And you want to, you do want to surround yourself around the right people of some of the like mindset. You know, listen, we all have friends that go different routes. We know we, it, it is what it is, but if they're your true friends, they're going to respect what you do. And they're going to keep, if it's anything negative towards you, they're going to keep it out of your life and, and keep it away from you, which, which a lot of my friends have done that. And, you know, with the closer friends that I've, I've had, like my childhood friends from growing up to even one of my, again, same growing up, but he's in hockey as well too, Kevin Weeks, uh, you know, him and I, we're, we, from kids, we're, we're growing up together and we played hockey growing up, played pro, he went on the NHL, I was playing the minors, up to today, like we still talk every day, every day, and like nothing is changing, like that's, that's my man there, you know, and so it's, it's, it, was a, it was a whirlwind and it's good to keep your friends from home because it keeps you grounded. You know, because your friends from home, they know you for who you are and not what you are. Exactly. You couldn't agree more with that, uh, Jason. And now I know um, your first year in Cincinnati, you guys went 36 and 32, made the playoffs. And now your second year, your second year in your division, what are the men to have, have, have success sustained over these past few seasons here? Because now the Cyclones are among one of the better teams in ECHL yet again here in 2022, 2023. You know what? Uh, you know, first year is going to be a lot of bumps, uh, bumps in the road because you're you're kind of walking into, well, I'll say walking into a team that I was already part of, but is more the fingerprint of, of the coach who was just there. So I was kind of inheriting kind of his, his regime of stuff and you manage it, you manage the players and stuff. And to get a fresh running start at this year, I thought was, was great. Cause I really wanted to get a, a running start right from the beginning where last year I jumped in at pretty much September and the season was just around the corner. Uh, for me, it was about culture. Culture is the first thing I want to make sure we had. You want to create a great culture around here because when you get good people in, you're going to get, you're going to get great players and people, it's a people first mentality. You know, it's guys who are willing to work, guys who are willing to grind, guys who are willing to come to the rink every day and not, and, and create a winning habit, a winning culture and, and development, good development habits, good pro habits and not toxic. And when you do that, those are the kind of guys that you're, you're going to go to war with and go to battle with. Those are the kind of guys that are, when things are going wrong, they're going to pull up their socks and they're going to help the team go further. They're going to help the team get through the grind rather than when things are going wrong, they start pointing fingers and then it starts going downhill from that. Um, you know, it's, it's, you always, like I said, people are, it's what it's all about. And I, I always go back to a, a couple of guys that I, like I read about and I talk, uh, uh, for example, uh, Nick Saban, you know, one of his quotes and I, and I love it is that, you know, it's our job to get the right people on the bus and in the right seat and the wrong people off. And as simple as that. And when you do that, you've created that culture, that winning culture, and you're going to, you're going to better chance of success. That's for sure. Along with that, the winning culture that you speak of, how important would you say is it to also ground yourselves within the, the, the team, um, the people that you play with on a daily basis? I kind of, I'm thinking of, of how you mentioned grounding yourselves with friends from home. How can you kind of do that with the people that you work with every day? You know, it's it's a very easy answer, honestly. Got to be true to who you are and, and true, truthful to the to what the cause is and what you're about. You know, athletes, they can see through guys that, are, that have a, a hidden agenda. They can see through guys that don't really care. You know, I go out every day and I try my best to, to connect with all the players. I want the players to know that I, I genuinely care about them. I share stories that I've been through in my career, the ups and the downs, because there's things that they've gone through or are going through that I've probably already been through, done, seen, and had to cope with and, and deal with. And I share stories with them about things that happened to me along my way, my journey. And for them to understand that, you build that connection. And then again, it's not always about hockey. Like I'll sit there and I'll talk to these guys about all total different things. Like people get to know me. I'm a multi-sport athlete. Uh, in high school, I played football. 
in football in Victoria Park High School. And I juggled that, trying to do that and play and play hockey at the same time. I, you know, a lot of my friends used to tell me, hey, you, you should have played football instead of hockey because I was getting letters every day to go to school, to go to, to towards schools in the States. But hockey was just my thing. You know, it's just what it was. And but again, to talk about other sports like baseball, I played baseball, too. I was a, I was a catcher. So there's another there's more sports. And if you want to get away from sports, hey, I love motorcycles. I have a crotch rocking myself back home. And you'll be able to connect with players on different layers of that one stuff. And even more so, funny as it is, it's a grind. Life is a grind. And you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, building up to where I was today, like certain people know it. But, hey, I one of my good friends back home, he owned a trucking company. I used to drive big semi trucks all around, all around Ontario, delivering sand and gravel, metal, dump trucks for trailers, flatbeds, you know, switching gears, running up and down to 401, but, and then finding time to go and train at the same time after that said and done. So, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but when guys see how you've also struggled to, to you're in the struggle, you know, things weren't given to you. You have to really go out there and earn it. You know, you, and then you've earned that respect from them and you give them that respect as well too. So with that honesty and that, and, and being as genuine and authentic as you can be, I think that's the key to success. No, that's awesome. Like you're reminding them that you're human. You go through the same things that they do every day. You know, that that's great. That's great. And also, uh, Jason, in your career, I know um, one thing, you know, follow your, I, I followed your career for, for a little while through, through mutual friends we do have in the form of um, Kevin Lucas and Earl's Gay Call, actually. So, you know, I've, I've watched all your game footage over the years growing up. I know that you were someone, you were, you were someone who, you're a true dreamer in the sense that you played literally almost all across the entire continent, North America. You had a career in which, you know, you were in Cincy, you were in Flint, you were in Thunder Bay, Quad City, uh, Dayton, New Orleans. You played pro hockey in New Orleans. Like, what was it just like seeing the continent of North America like that as a pro hockey player? And what did you learn? What city did you enjoy? What city did you dislike? Like, what did you like about being um, a guy in which your job took you apart, took you literally across the entire continent, Jason? You know what? That's <laughs> that's the joys of hockey. Um, <laughs> I tell everybody that already. The game is not, it's not a forgiving game. You know, it gives you every opportunity to quit. It wants you to quit. And if you, if you do quit, you'll never get the chance to experience. I, I had the chance to experience all these places. You know, again, like you just said, traveling from East coast all the way to the West coast, St. John, New Brunswick to at one point. And I, and I ended up, I remember during, during that season, I ended up in St. John and they loaned me out to Long Beach, California. Like that trek was a journey and a half in its own. Like that's a story that you guys should, whew. but being all around from Florida to Dayton to Arkansas to, uh, you know, Thunder Bay, uh, Binghamton, New York, uh, Utica, where I first started, Flint, Michigan, Detroit, Kalamazoo, uh, Greensboro. I mean, I, I, could, I could keep going down the list, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't change it for the world because it gave me a real opportunity to really get out there and see the world where a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. They only know the one thing that's, that they're, that they see in front of their eyes. And, me to get out there and see different cultures, different, uh, I get different cities, different ways of people doing things. It's, it was, it was interesting. It was very interesting. But with that being said, I was able to go there and meet people and you go out there and you establish relationships and people get to know who you are. And as you know, the, how small the world is, mm. there's some connections, some way, somehow, I guess, if you want to say it, through anything, uh, yes. through people. And here I am today and we're in, in the league I'm in, I played in this league. And I go to cities in different towns and I got fans walking up to me like, oh man, I remember when you used to play for uh, Dayton or I remember when you used to play for Wheeling or I remember when you used to play for Arkansas. Like, so the, the, the memories still come into play and they all remember you. And the good thing is that you, leave, you left a good lasting impression. You know, they're not talking bad or ill about you. They're like, oh yeah, I remember you're such a great guy. You know, it was great because what I tried to do my best was really immerse myself in the community. And do a lot of community work, go see kids at the hospitals, go read to kids at school, whatever they, that their community needed from, from myself. I want to give it out there because being raised from my parents, uh, my mother's from St. Lucia, my dad's from St. Vincent. And the way they, the way my, my mother, especially she made sure reinforced to me and uh, my dad backed it as well, is that you're a hockey player. I can be a coach. doesn't matter what I am, but I'm not anything without the fans, without the people. Because with them there, them the one, they're the ones that that make you into that celebrity status. That that people get that misconception that you're you're a celebrity, but it's because of the fans. It's not because of anything else. Because the minute the fans don't care about you anymore, you're just you're you're a regular person on the road. So be good to those people because you never know when you're going to run into them again. 
that too deep for you guys? Well, no, no, that's some very powerful stuff, man. Like, I mean, honestly, you sit there and you're thinking like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm just doing, I'm just doing regular stuff. And it's like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm killing it and everything. But like, when you hear stories like this, it's, it's significant. It's, it's moving. It's powerful. It's inspiring. It's, it's soul piercing. There's a word. Those are words I never thought I'd ever say again. Um, but in all honesty, it's like storytelling is a great thing. And, you know, like if you're a great storyteller, like it doesn't matter if it's like, it doesn't matter if it's like, you're literally saying what uh, you're literally telling a joke about like you going into a, you and like 30 other black kids going to a cotton field, picking cotton in fourth grade, or, you know, just, um, you telling us the story about how you yam your first beef patty. And then next thing you know, you get jumped by like five other dudes who apparently don't like you the, the same way, you know, like, it's just, it's just good storytelling. And like, obviously from what I can, like just based off of this interview alone, you're a great storyteller. And like, obviously if you like, how do I put this? A good coach knows how to tell a story. And I feel like, I feel like you can illustrate, illustrate your hockey story in a way that will not only translate to, I guess, great success on the ice, but great success off the ice. And considering your history with, say, the amount of minor league teams that you've worked with and played for in the past and also coached through, like, I, I feel like, you know, it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when, when you'll get your call up to the NHL. Because I know there's like a small fraternity of black hockey coaches a very small, a very small fraternity that obviously could start ballooning once, um, once people start to know your story. And all you just need, like I said, is a great storyteller. And you've got that, man. And like, you know, honestly, I wanted to get into coaching myself. Um, I got a lot of work to do, but I... I'm still somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jason, don't you have any questions for uh, Coach Payne over here? Because like, we haven't yeah. heard from you yet, Doug. No nah, man, I'm ju- I'm just listening. I, I'm I'm like a sponge taking in the wise words that he's sharing with us right now. He's <laughs> giving us like some gems, man. A lot of a lot of people in position of power and 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 in a position of having a platform that they can use. They don't like to drop gems, but I'm just here embracing the gems that Mr. Payne is dropping here. Like I'm in awe right now. Usually I have a lot to say, but I'm just more so listening. It's a listen. It's a journey, man, and like. I this is I tell you I I enjoying this 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 podcast because you, as we had this conversation before before we even started like I'm who I am and I, I try to be a, as authentic as I can but as professional as I can at times as well too and but you got to find that fine balance you know and you talk about being storytelling well I'll, I'll revert back to the question before that you know being a journeyman and being being around and going seeing all these cities and stuff this this gives me the ability to have the background to have these stories to share these stories because i've walked the walk i've been i've been in the trenches and that's what makes it authentic you know you're not just fabricating stuff and you're not making up because as, as anybody in the true world i say you got to be true to yourself and, and if if i can't be the best version of jason Payne, then who will be exactly oh that is deep and you know um Jason, I wanted to ask you about, of course, I know you mentioned up the top, um, the fact that in ETHL is also the black coach, um, Jason Martin. And, of Joel. course, what was huge news, oh, sorry, Joel Martin, was huge news, he coaches in Kalamazoo with the K-Wings, was, of course, you guys being the first black coaches in pro hockey to coach against each other. And, of course, pro hockey has been around for over 100 years, and this was the first time it ever happened in the game any level be it you know the ahl echl nhl phf whatever how would have you does what it mean to make history and know that again the coaching fraternity is growing and growing and growing even more because i feel great to be one of those two coaches involved in that game last season you know it's yeah it was great it was a great moment uh it's funny as it is we literally just got off the road this morning i think around four o'clock in the morning and we, we just played in kalamazoo so I played, we played Joel's team again. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, the first time we played them, we beat them. And then we just lost in overtime to them last night. Uh, but that's the game of hockey. It's what happens, right? So it's all about going there competing. But being able to get out there and and Joel and I being able to, to coach against each other. And, you know, for fans to see two black faces uh, manning the benches, I'm, that's it's groundbreaking and and it's great. And it's, it's a responsibility for both of us. It's a responsibility. And, and it's not something that we take lightly. 
lot of young kids growing up want to play. I have, I guess, I got Dejan Mingo, Jalen Smirk, uh, Josh Burnside, uh, three three players of color on my team this year. Um, and I have another one of uh, Indian descent, Arvin Atwal. Um, but again, I have players of color on my team. And, you know, you always wonder about getting a stereotype of, oh, do I, am I just taking them because they're black? No, I'm taking them because they're hell of a hockey players and they're out there proving it. And I don't, I don't mix words. I don't mince words. And if you're not a good hockey player, I don't care if you're black, white, purple, whatever color you are, you know, I, I, it's not something that I'm, I'm, I'm into. Uh, again, personality first, person first. I want to make sure good people, but you know, where's this pro hockey too? You know, where it's not about, you know, going to guys just going to go out there and think, Oh, I'm just going to play hockey. Cause whatever. No, like this is pro hockey. We're, we're affiliated with the Buffalo Sabres organization and the uh, Rochester Americans. So everybody, everybody who plays here has the aspirations of making it to the NHL. So you want to make sure that you don't get, put yourself in a situation where nobody can question your, you know, your decisions, your judgment, or, or your, your overall process. That's extremely significant because it's, it shows not only the passion that you have, for what you're doing but it also shows the passion for like say what you want to do in the future and of course we we all know what the ultimate goal is for you and that's to be behind the bench of an nhl team hopefully you'll be behind the bench of the maple leafs because like honestly we could use we could use a little seasoning up here let's be honest <laughs> don't get me wrong don't get me wrong like you know, uh, <laughs> some, some scotch bonnet pepper <laughs> exactly we have win and in all honesty Wayne, Wayne, Wayne inspires me so much. Like I've grown up watching black hockey players and like, obviously like I got laughed at a lot when I, when I told, when I told my friends, like, yeah, I'm a hockey fan. And it's like, and like, this is one of those, this is one of those issues you have to, like you pretty much experience when you're a black kid growing up in like, say, in like, say a low income area, like Flavendon Park, for example, um, or like you're going to a high school where it's like predominantly all say white and Asian students or even Sri Lankan students. And there's not very many people that you can identify with. Um, when you tell people you like hockey and you look like someone like kind of like myself or like yourself or even like Marsha, for example, um, it's very difficult to, I guess, try and, you know, rein in all of the, all of the negativity because like you're going to get racial, racial stereotypes left, right and center. For example, like, oh, well, shouldn't you stick to basketball or you're black? Why are you, why are you liking, why are you liking a sport where like they chase a black puck all over the, all over a sheet of white ice, you know? And, I've heard all those comments, by the way. Yeah. And so I, I guess you can genuinely understand how I feel when it comes to, when it comes to that. Um, but like, I grew up watching players like Jerome again, like Kevin Weeks, um, Freddie Brathwaite, um, Wayne Simmons, George LaRock, um, Anson Carter. Yes. Anson Carter, definitely. Um, and it's like, there are a lot of other, other story. There are a lot of other black stories that you don't get to hear when you're growing up. And it's like, you know, and you like, you want to try and be one of them, but unfortunately it's always like, Oh, you don't have enough money. Oh, you should stick to basketball. Oh, I can't afford this. Oh, or, 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 or like a whole whack load of excuses or say roadblocks. Sorry, I'm not going to call them excuses. I'm just going to call them setbacks, hurdles, more like. Yeah, hurdles. And it's like, you get to a point where it's like, you don't even get to enjoy the sport anymore. And it's just like, okay, you know, I'd like to be able to actually lace up a pair of skates one day, grab a stick and be able to shoot a puck every once in a while. But it's like, obviously you don't really get that. You don't really get that opportunity. So it, it I guess to see successful black stories um, it brings a bit of a tear to my eye. I'm not going to lie. And like, this is the most serious I've been on this podcast in a very long time. Um, so like, honestly, like I'm actually about to cry right now and I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, this, this is like very, this is a very humbling thing for me to see someone like you very successful. And, and you know, it's just, it, it, it makes me feel, it makes me feel good to know that like, you know, there's successful black stories in hockey again. And, you know, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here. I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Listen, we, it's, it's a journey and it's, and it's, it was yeah. never easy. Like I tell you about, you know, taking the bus to go places. Like I would 
I remember leaving school and uh, my cousin Charles would come and pick me up and he'd take me to go uh, play hockey down in, uh, down in the jungle, down in uh, Lawrence West there with a bunch of, with a bunch of with black guys and no hockey equipment. I wore equipment, but those guys didn't. Jeans, pant, all kind of track suit, velour suit, all kind of whatever they're wearing. Full contact. You understand? You want to talk about growing up hard knocks. I used to leave, I used to leave school. You know, how many times, you know how many times I used to go up to Fleming and Park Arena and play shinny hockey with all the crew up there? All the boys up there. Wow. So if you're talking about, you tell you grew up there. Like, I know a lot of guys from Flemmel because I, uh, some of them are close friends of mine. And, uh, and uh, you know, up to today. You know, and, and, oh, and then, what, what's that? Oh, I thought I said something there. Um, but yeah, like up to today, like I'm still, I still in contact with, with some of them, you know, and, uh, you know, like I, I'll even say, one guy's name I'll even tell you, like his name is Michael Noble. And he ran... Flemmo uh, shinny hockey, so for for the longest time, and we call him Foundation. We call him Foundation, you know, and and he he's up to today. Like I I still talk to him up to today, and he he knows when we used to come there. We used to go and play. Um, you know, there there was good hockey players that came out there. Like one of my like the only reason I started going up there was because a good friend of mine, Cleo. Like and and uh, you know, Cleo's son now is was drafted by L.A. Akil Thomas, and uh, you know so but. You know, I would go up there. I would go up with Khalil, and we'd go play shinny hockey like nonstop. And as soon as it was done there, we'd go and try to go and find some outdoor rinks and go and skate at. You know, so even to the point where we even tried to turn the hose on and flood the back of his backyard there, hoping that we can make ice, not knowing how to do it. <laughs> you know, but it's what it was, right? But as young, hungry, hungry hockey player, young kids like that, and we don't, you know, never came for real money or anything like that. We had to find a way to make it work. And we and that's what we did. You know, I got admit, Jason, the image of, of image of Mandem playing in Valor I'm killing me. The image here, that's friggin' funny. <laughs> I'm you, like heavy contact, man. heavy. Contact. <laughs> they want the boards to, to rattle, like, and that's all they want to talk. You see when I hit that guy there? Like, oh, you're just serious, man. It's like guys and are playing parallel full to on, full on hockey. No, it's yep. like playing full on rugby with skates and a stick. Like that's that's, that's insane. Crazy. Guys were going all out, but that's what it was, man. That's what you you learn, man. You learn to be hungry. That's huge. Um, that's huge. Um, okay. Your experiences, not only as I guess a black athlete, but also as a black hockey coach. I'm more than likely sure you've had to deal with your share of, I guess, racial abuse and racial accostment when it comes to playing this game um has it has it intensified since you've taken the job or has it been remotely the same in which you like in what you've experienced while growing up growing up and playing it was a different beast and uh, you learn how to manage it and the way i i i've like in my playing career like we talked about i did a lot i did a lot of fighting let's just put it out there i get it so people ask me all the time like okay well how'd you do it like it gets to a point where you learn to control it. So it's like a controlled aggression. And as that went on and my career went on, I started learning anything outside. I don't let that get to me because they want it to get to you. And it's, it's hard when you, I guess, when you're young, you don't know it's, you, you don't know what to do, you know, how to experience it. And I've had things happen to me before. You know, I've had people say things to me. I've had people after I'm in the penalty box and guys sitting next to me, you know, telling me, looking to act like he's eating fried chicken. And I go, you know, and to the point where I just play up with him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like it too. Mm, mm, oh, it's so good. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? Right? Think about it. You know, and they make all kinds of gestures and stuff like, oh, yeah, mm, cool. Yeah. You know, so what are they going to say? You know, so the best part is you can't let those negative people live rent free in your head. You let them live in your head, you give them the power. You don't let them live rent free in your head, they have no power. Nothing they say will affect you, you know, and, and if you keep people in your life where they belong, you'll never be disappointed. The minute you put them where they don't belong, you leave room for disappointment. No, of course, it's, it's completely true, Jason. You, know, you mentioned your career. You mentioned, of course, you were you were known as the more enforcer type, the fighter type. You also played for quite a while in a league that I I grew up watching a bit during the NHL lockout, 0405, the LNAH, a league that many moons ago was considered to be, you know, the wild, wild west. It was a throwback to the seventies hockey. You had uh, bench brawls, three fights a night. It was like playing the league that had a reputation for being probably the most outrageous league in hockey at the time in the early two thousands. 
it was a, it was, I'll be honest. It was uh it was fun. <laughs> it was fun at times uh, to see the, the stuff that we go through. I mean, it was nerve wracking a bit because you know, every night you're fighting, you know, so you're, you're putting your body in the line. And that's eventually for me, why I got, I got away from there. I got back to pro hockey here because you're just treated like a piece of meat there. And I, I felt mm. that some of them didn't fully respect me for where I was. And it, I, I felt like, you know, I did it as a time of the lockout because it's, you know, to work and you want to keep playing. And it was a good league at the time. Good right. money. I was playing with NHL, ex NHL players and some that were in the league. So, but after that, you know, I felt to myself, I'm not, I'm selling myself short here. I'm not going to belittle myself and, and degrade myself by, by playing at that level. And I, when I know I I've worked so hard to get where I've gotten to, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to allow that, that to be a blemish on my record really right now. So that's, that's pretty much where I took it from there. You know? So, and again, I did enjoy it though. I had some good times, but some great people. And, uh, uh, but you know, I, I, again, I have to get back to, to my, in my path, if you want to put it that way. And, and I did, and I made sure when I finished playing my career, I finished in the United States in pro hockey. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was good. It was fun. That's awesome. Um, okay. So Marsha, Marsha, what do you want to ask him real quick? Um, being in Cincinnati for two years now um how did you find the difference between that first kind of transition to really solidifying yourself this season well for sure it's uh the, the, i've been here for since 2018 so sorry a, two years as a head yeah, um yeah the transition is definitely different uh because you know you get to you inherit a team in the, in the beginning i guess we talk about right where you do know the players. There are you're a part of guys that you did, you know, bring in, I guess, but it wasn't my fingerprints on it. You know what I mean? So to manage through that uh, and then getting guys to understand, okay, I went from assistant coach to head coach. So establishing that boundary, uh, you got to establish that boundary because as a head, as assistant coach, you know, you're the conduit between the head coach and the team. You know, you want to make sure you maintain good relationships with everybody, but as a head coach, you still want to have that relationship, but there has to be that heavy respect factor that they understand mm-hmm. that, you know, you are, you're the boss, man. And you have a structure, you have a system, you have a way of, of thinking, you have a way this game and the team is supposed to be played and the team has to learn to play within it. And if not, you know, they're, they're going to try and fight against it. And the it's, it's finding that balance and then getting everybody on the right page. And that's always going to be a battle because you're dealing with about 30, 25 to 30 different uh, athletes from, different walks of life and everything. So it's, it's definitely different that way, but to have a, like I said earlier in this, uh, in our conversation here, to have a big, a big running start at this and bring in the people I felt fit into where we want as a culture, and as a team, I think that was beneficial. And it, it made, it made, it's making this year a little bit more successful. Definitely. Um, and even in, in your mention of the importance of balance within everything you do, um, how do you, kind of hit that home within yourself because as you mentioned you're you're out here doing so much between media between your everyday personal life between the the sport that you coach um well how how do you solidify ground yourself find that balance on one word family family talk to my mom every day i got my my wife and my daughter they're here i have my other daughter who's in quebec i mean my phone is ringing right now because She's actually in the process of flying to Toronto to meet my mom and then for them to both fly here uh, in the next day or so because uh, they, they spend Christmas with us. So normally I drive and try to do that whole thing of picking them up because it's one thing. Listen, I've, I've driven eight hours. I've driven here to Detroit. I've flown from Detroit to Toronto or sorry, sorry, Windsor to Toronto, Toronto to Quebec City, picked up my daughter, flown back from Quebec City to Toronto, picked up my mom from Toronto to Windsor and then drove right back down to Cincinnati all in one day. So, but I'll, I will do that and more for my family, you know, and that's what keeps you grounded, you know, and is you always want to make sure you have a, a good family foundation. And, and again, it's with the, with the friends you surround yourself around. That's the, that's, what's most important. You know, they're, they're the true friends, they're the friends you can go, you know, box of food with, you know, hold down, a, hold down a nutriment with, you know what I mean? Those are, those are, <laughs> You know, those are your friends, you know what I mean? And I got Jamaican bit diesel in here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I like, I had two, two of my like friends from my neighborhood, which we grew up from day, my day ones. Like, they came down here, uh, like maybe a month and a half ago. And 
I took them behind the scenes with me and I drove them to one of my away games instead of riding on the bus. I drove with them and then we all went, they came watching my game and they're wearing all like all the Cincinnati apparel and supporting the team. And they tell me how proud they are of me and how, and you know what, it's, it's, it's genuine because as proud as they are of me, I'm, I'm even more proud of them. You know, one's, one's a lawyer and the other one's a, a big financial advisor for an investment group. Uh, you know, they've all done stuff for themselves. So it, it's, it doesn't matter what it is. They're all showing success in whatever they do. And, you know, it, it for me, it's, it, that, that's what, that's a proud moment that, you know, we get to do that. And, uh, you know, we've been friends from day one. And I mean, you know, I'll share with you, like there's a, there's a member of our crew that was missing. And the only reason he's missing is because when we were a lot younger uh, in high school, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, after high school, he went away on a scholarship for football. I was away playing hockey. These guys are all the way at school, but um, while he was away on a scholarship in football, he got into a car accident and and passed. And, uh, you know, that, and that was a, like, that was a group of like, there was, there was four of us that were really tight. And, you know, when we lost, when we lost him, like how it hit us, like I remember leaving hockey and had to come back for the funeral. And I, I, I remember going to his house and I couldn't even, I couldn't even sit, sit in his house. It was that, it was that, uh, it tore me up, you know? So, you know, to see these guys come, you know, we talk all the time, we have our chat groups and, to see them come down and, and uh, you know, be here. It's like, it's like my brothers, my brothers are here. You know what I mean? So it was, it was uh, that is, that's what keeps you grounded. And that's what, you know, you keep wanting to do things for, for, for those people in your life, you know, for your family, for my daughters. Like I'm trying to do what I can to, to, if you want to talk about it, everybody has them, they're like your own, your own legacy. You know, you want to make sure you leave a lasting legacy behind for, for your children, for your family. So um, like I said, it's a responsibility. I don't take lightly. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So we're going to go into the the extra fun part of our episode where we run through speed run. We we run through a whole bunch of out of pocket questions, some serious and some that are just completely out there. Um, Obviously, just go with the answers off the top of your head. And I hope you have a can of nutriment ready because you're probably going to need it. So, (laughs) all right. All right. All right. First things first. What is your, what's your, what's your pregame drink? Is it Red Stripe? Is it Nutrivid? Is it Gatorade? Is it Water? Is it Boiling Water? Is it Mila Tea? What is it? Oof, that's a close one, you know. <laughs> that's, that's a good one too. Usually, <laughs> honestly, it just I usually just box of water to to start, and then uh, if I get home later on at night, then I'll beat down a, a, a Captain Morgan Spice Rum and Coke. Hey, okay. Um, dress shoes or Jordans? Ooh, depends on the occasion. Okay, but I'm a dress shoe man when I'm when I'm out there on the ice and doing everything around that. Mm-hmm. And then, but I am a Jordan man. I'm not gonna lie. I, I will rock a Jordan. I will, and it depends on where it is. But anything hockey related, where I'm in that business attire, mm. it's strictly attire. But I do love a Jordan. Uh, favorite place. Uh, favorite place to play as a player. I was in Florida. I loved it. It was it was really it was good. I had a great time down there. Um, it's just the Florida living, I guess, if you want to talk about that and where we lived. Uh, um, but going to the rink every day and coming out and just being warm and smelling that nice air, it's just, it's different than when you're up playing up way up in the North and you come out of the rink and it's minus 20 and you're all kind of, all kind of frozen up in your, in your nose hole and everything. So. <laughs> okay. So as a yard man, obviously you've had your share of Caribbean food. Have you ever tried any other black cuisine outside of Caribbean food? I've tried a lot of different food, but you got to be more specific. Like, have you tried like African food, like say jollof rice or fufu, or, or like, or even like say any anything along those lines? Because like, obviously, us as us, like us as black people, like obviously, we'll definitely go lean towards our like our oxtail, our jerk chicken, our our snapper, um, so our stew chicken, our curry goat type of thing. But like, we never really differentiate outside of the realms. Of just say you're out like you're out there black food like you know like obviously there's like there, there's like there's African cuisine out there that would probably taste delicious like you know but have you even gone outside of that box or is it just strictly I, like you know, I've, damn recipes? I've dabbled. I've tasted some Indian food and all kind of stuff like that. But I mean, besides the the, the regular West Indian food that we're used to as as West Indian culture, mm-hmm. I never really got outside that because I'm a very finicky eater in a way. Like I like my go to meals and as a hockey player when i was playing your body's trained on certain foods and certain so for me i couldn't i i didn't feel good putting anything in my body other than what i needed to put in it so now the food you grew up on that's that's a different story 
you know, you, you, our, our parents put their foot in, in, in about two pots and you know, it's a, it's a food. So you beat that down you, and you're, you're saying you're good. But when you start venturing way outside your realm, it's a little bit different. No, even in even in New Orleans, because when you play New Orleans, they know there's you know red beans and rice, there's gumbo. I mean, there's a lot of food you can get in New Orleans that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. I did I did taste some of that stuff, but to me, that's not really out of the box. Mm. You know, to me, Fair. that's not really in the box. You know what I mean? Fair. Yeah, you can like some of the Indian food you can eat too. You can eat with some dal and all kind of this, but mm-hmm. to, me, that's, to me, that's not out of the box. You know what I mean? And when you start eating all kind of weird, different kind of business, whatever, like then okay uh, that's a little different from my guts so i'm not uh, <laughs> so, that's me that's just who i am though where is the worst place for you to get a lineup as a hockey player Oof. Oof. but anywhere that's why i cut my own hair david Hepper the same question and like yo david told us straight like it, it's very difficult to get a good lineup Especially in a non hockey traditional market, yeah, man. That's why a lot of those places, like I had to go and hunt and search, and like a couple places I found, like I find the one guy, and that'd be my guy. And that's before, that's before the hairline started to run away on me. So then when it started to run away, I said, I just do it myself. I'm I'm sure it was tough to get lined up in Idaho. I'm sure it was very tough going to Idaho or or Verdun and get a proper lineup. Verdun wasn't hard. Okay, Verdun wasn't hard because yeah, because you guys see Verdun is is it that's in Montreal. Mm, true, it's, true. It's like a suburb much, and it's and it's right in like around the black areas because I didn't live then necessarily in Verdun. I was more in like LaSalle mm. at that time. So there's a lot of black people there. So I found a barber there who, who, who lined me up tight. But Idaho, forget about it. I just brought my own clippers. <laughs> I got a question for you, Coach. Um, now this, is, this pertains to um, to our guy Kevin Weeks. Kevin has been known, and you probably know. Kevin has known that have infamous the black bag. Where he's got his, his creams, his Beauty lotions. Kit. Do you have a black bag like him? Do you have, do you have your own black bag with, you know, with the hand lotions, creams? Do you, have, do you have a bag like Kevin's bag? It's not as big as Kevin's, but I but I have my I have my beauty kit. I definitely have to roll with that because you have to have your cream. You know, it can't get too ashy. Come there like you've been the sh- oh, shuffling. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. St. Eve's, Luberderm, Vaseline. St. Eve's, buddy. But but it's the it's the it's the thick one, man. You gotta be because can you water stuff, man? The water stuff just dissipates in your skin. Next thing you're coming out, you're still kind of sh- 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 nice. Just have a nice glistening coat to them. Because you're on the ice, we're outside and we're in the cold and we're on the ice, so you know that your skin gets dry quick. You don't want to come in here looking like like Ashy Larry. <laughs> Do they let you play reggae in the locker room when? you're getting your team ready or is it all just like the players get to choose their own music players choose their own music but nowadays like our guys are listening to all kind of like heavy rap and all kind of like you know this and that which is which is fine let them do their thing and when they go and i go into the gym well turn up okay biggie or tupac right now biggie was heavy man i'm I'm a biggie man biggie was ignorant with his lyrics true true straight don't get me wrong but biggie was and the next level of his lyrics. Jay-Z or Nas? I'm a Jay-Z man. Nas is true, but I'm a Jay-Z man. You're a Jay-Z man. Yeah. Right. The original Jay-Z. Jay-Z was, Jay-Z was vicious when he was when he came out with all his stuff there, boy. Everyone commercializes later on. You know how that goes, right? But, sure. Okay. Like Sean. Uh, Jason, we know you're, you know, you know, you know, you know, when it comes to food, you know, you're very particular, you know, you're a bit picky on your food, but I got to ask you, being in Cincinnati, Skyline Chili, thumbs up or thumbs down? <laughs> you know, this man went quiet for a hot second, folks. <laughs> skyline, yay, uh, Skyline. <laughs> I like my chili with some meat in it, man. I'm sorry. That's just my thing. That's just my thing. They did a bobblehead of me, and I had to, like, sponsored by Skyline. So I was like, hey. <laughs> I know, because some people, some like it, and some, I know, I, 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 I want to try it one day. But I know, depends who you ask. Some like it and some hate it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Because <laughs> it's not chili to me. It's not chili. Chili to me has a heap of meat in it. And I love a ground beef meat. If you, if you, if you, if I'm pouring the chili and it's coming out like water, pepper soup. <laughs> Trust me. Thank you. Thank you. Trust me. Nah, man. Like I made a swift short rib chili like back in, um, back in September. And just, just, just for shits and giggles. And like, Honestly, like the thing was tasting nice. It was like it's all it was all actual chunks of like chunks of like short rib and yeah. and, and chunk and like chunk meat. 
so or like chuck steak so it's like instead of like the ground beef it's like actual like stew uh, stew beef poops and right. it, uh, like a lot of people don't look at it as like Yo, you can actually use stew beef for for chili it's like yeah so like if you're ever if you're ever up in the ends again let me know i'm gonna make that chili for you and trust me it'll be proper all right. Yes, for sure. And, and, for and, sure. and if it's if it's bad, then like yo, you can roast me all you want. I don't care. No, nah, man. As long as there's a heap of meat in it, I'm good. <laughs> all right, I got you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. You said you're a Jordans man. Okay. Uh, what's your go-to pair on an off day? Listen, the retros are all nice and everything, but uh, I, there's so many different pairs. I mean, like, I have a pair, and I don't know why I'm drawing a blank at the number. Which number it is? <laughs> they're still in the box. They're still in the box just marinating just waiting and uh but the ones that just came out right now i think the 23s i think they're whatever but i think they're 23 i can't remember but those have uh, i've always loved those ones the ones that are the um they're like a high, they're high cut um it's yeah. mostly one color and then on the on the side of the pinky toe it just had like a little like a patch that kind of goes up it uh but those are if i could those are my my go-tos if you had one thing you wanted to say to a blackhead who is literally like literally trying to get into hockey and they needed a piece of advice, what would you give them? Behave yourself, act right and grind. Nothing's given to you. You have to earn it. And you have to earn it even more, especially as a black person. Last question for the night. Are you a Leafs fan? I'm a fan of the team that pays me. How about that? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, come on, come on. That's amazing. <laughs> I think you're talking to a guy who coached in the in the Sabre system, Dave. I know, I'm aware <laughs> of that. But like obviously, there are bear coaches out there. Who will sit like who will coach for bear teams and then be like, okay, yeah, you know what, Loki, I'm a Leafs fan too. I've been kind of watching them for a hot minute. So, but yeah, no, no, whatever team is paying me, that's my favorite team. You know? <laughs> the right answer, the correct the answer. answer. That is the correct <laughs> answer. That's a proper answer. All right, Mr. Payne. Honestly, um, actually, you no, know I'm gonna call you by your first name because uh, I feel like we've earned that tonight. Um, Jason, Jason. Jason, honestly, um, really and truly, thank you. Um, it takes a lot, it takes a lot to actually bring a tear to my eye, especially when it comes to good storytellers like yourself, honestly, keep doing what you're doing. You're like, you're, you're making us proud. Honestly, we'd like to be like you when we grow up someday, but, um, <laughs> at the same time, um, you inspire us to do better and we want to be able to do better. And of course we want to be able to help grow a community with black like uh, future future black hockey players and like we'd love for you to like help us down the road and or sorry help us pave a pave a new road and of course you know establish the pillars in which we are building upon and that is very very too re very regal for what the fuck i'm saying right now so <laughs> i need to stop right now i need to stop but in all honesty thank you very much for coming through uh we'd love to have you back on here again hopefully uh you can make a deep run with uh the cyclones for the kelly cup uh of course kelly cup is the premier is the premier championship trophy for the echl in case you didn't know in case you didn't know that um but we wish you the best of luck this season uh hopefully we get to have you on in the summer yeah no thank you guys honestly and i mean as much as you want to say like you guys are paving your own way right now too and for to do what you guys are doing is, is huge you know to, to get out here have your podcast and get out there and, and keep it real like you're doing that's that's huge that's huge and you know being able to keep growing and keep building and keep building your brand and who you guys are as a person and 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 you know, Marsha's in there doing her thing, man. That's what you got to do. You have to do that. And you can't be afraid. That's the, that's the biggest thing. You can't be afraid because you've got to think how many people out there secretly want to do things like what you're doing right now. They just don't have the courage to do it or the know-how, right? So you keep paving the way too, all of you. We will definitely do that. Even, even GSN. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got to ask you for one last thing. Uh, we ask all our guests for this. Uh, can we get a sound bite from you real quick? Of course. All right. So, so, um, just I like your no, I mean, sorry. <laughs> no, just, uh, just say you're kicking it with us at the third intermission podcast. Obviously, give it a little seasoning here and there, but like, yo, it's all you. Go right ahead. All right. So, I'm, I'm kicking it with my crew at the third period intermission podcast. <laughs> Loving it. Awesome. All right. Jason. It's been an honor and a privilege, and uh, we'll get some nutriment for you. Like, yo, we'll bring you a case, man. Just uh, run us the address, and uh, we'll ship you a case one time. All right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Love it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All 
Of course, yeah, man. Happy we'll holidays. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. Yes, happy holidays. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks, Jason. All right. All right. And on that note, um, this has been another riveting episode of the Third Admission Podcast. Of course, your boy Dave signing off for the evening on behalf of the baddest woman in the game, Marsha, the hand of the king himself, Avery, and of course our rookie Jason. Uh, we'd like to thank Mr. Uh, we'd like to thank Coach Jason Payne for coming through and you know just dropping some knowledge and dropping bear stories and everything. Until next time, uh, thank you for letting us grace the space in between your head top. Uh, you can always listen to us. On Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the blood clotting them. Yo, we taking over and we taking over proper. Until next time. <laughs>